So, alright guys, we gotta get this one right. On three, we're gonna say welcome back to our extraordinary thoughts, but on their mind. One, two, three. Welcome back for our show. Mine. Mine. That'll work right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we back. And we back. And we back. And we back. I like this. Like, it, I feel like it just took too. Why did it take so long for me? I'm just learning so much about pie. What's going on, everybody? It's that ordinary podcast with the extraordinary thoughts that tells you to stop being great and be extraordinary. Turn your radios up because Meech is about to speak. The... Yo, that sounds so good. That sounds really good. Really? It just rolls off your tongue. You know, I just, you know, I, I think this is just such a new beginning. You know. <laughs> I just wonder, like, if people, like, hear it, are they going to say, like, Meech Speaks? Is that, uh, like, his name? Is that his name? I think it's, it's such a good name, to be honest with you. You should legally just change it. To just, like, last name Speaks? Yeah. Imagine somebody coming up to me and like, hey, how are you doing today, Mr. Speaks? Ooh. Mm, wait a minute. That's a strong last name. That is a strong last name. Instead of thick he pen. Speaks. Meech Speaks. Mr. Speaks. Speak. Meech. All right, so once again, if y'all recognize this voice, y'all already know, One for season three, we have Shinny Solis. Now, a little history with Shinny Solis. I always say, why, why do I say your last name like that? I don't know. Jesus it's fine. Christ. It's okay. So a little history with Shinny Solis. We met, oh God, I don't even know. I can't even put the date to it anymore. December. December, really? Last year. Jesus Christ. And, you know, we had such an amazing conversation, such an amazing conversation that I just had to have her on the show, had to have her on the show. And we did Relationship Problems 3. And for some reason, I don't understand, but Relationship Problems 3 is like one of my like top episodes. Like, it's like, <laughs> like, 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 it's one of the top episodes in the sense of like, wait a minute, like I, there's Relationship Problems 1, there's Relationship Problems 2, but Relationship Problems 3 with Shinny Solis is like one of my top episodes out of Envy. I was going to sabotage my own podcast and pull the episode because I'll be damned if somebody else is getting more credit than me. You weren't getting more credit. It just, you chose the right person to compliment you and it thrived. Oh, that wasn't going to work out. Like, it was like. You're such a hater. It, I felt like the Titanic. Like, you were telling me, like, there's a glacier right there. And I knew that by taking your advice. I would avoid it. But if I listen to me right. and if I'm right, mm -hmm. then, you know, the ship's not going to sink and I prove you wrong. But for some mm -hmm. reason, that wasn't the case <laughs> and the ship sunk. And that was my best episode. Like I got so like so many reviews from that. Nice. Like people were coming up to me like, wow, that was such a good episode. Like you and her should do a podcast. Pause. Stop right there. Because <laughs> y'all getting way too comfortable. Y'all getting way too comfortable with these guests now. I really, I really wish people could see your face right now. You know, like... Where's my... I'm about to record this. <laughs> and, <laughs> just and this just is the to thing. have it in, in, in the background. Like. And this is the thing. It's like, people were sitting back and they're like, what's the name of her podcast? And I'm just like, she doesn't have one. I have a podcast. Are you you listen proud to of me. me, huh? You know, and, and they're like, wow, I re you should have her back on the show. Like, I love y'all chemistry. I said, what chemistry? No. What chemistry? Wow, you're gonna deny our chemistry now? It was our good. energy, our it, vibe. It was all right. Energy. You're gonna deny me now. It was good. It was it was okay. 
Well, the numbers and reviews speak for it. So, like, what did your friends say about that episode? They loved it. You know, well, then one of them say like he has such a mesmerizing voice. Like, I would let him read a book. Everybody was harping on your voice, which is like I thought it was a joke because you know I hate my voice. You know what's funny? I hate mine too. Really? And yet here we are. They said that you had such a mesmerizing voice. They said. It took a long time for me to actually be able to get in front of a mic, listen to myself, and because I hated it. But really? I also had surgery on my vocal cords. Really? Yeah, I did. Really? Mm-hmm. Is that why? I don't even know how to say it, but I mean, is that is that why? Like, is that why your voice so deep? Actually, no. It was already deep prior to. <laughs> yeah. I, I caught you on camera being an <laughs> I, asshole. I tried to walk away from the mic, like sit, not <laughs> say it away from the mic, but you know, like just let's go ahead and get into today's topic for tomorrow, today's, not tomorrow morning, but today's topic for this morning. And it's not relationship problems for, even though relationship problems for is so coming soon, sooner than later. No, it's not going to be with Shinny Salise. Um, <laughs> it'll be with me, but healing you know, and I, you know, I really had to take a step back during this break, and I'm so happy to be back on the show. But I really had to take this break because when you don't heal, you find yourself. And the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that your problems, adversity, pain—it's like a boomerang. And if you don't catch it on the time that it goes out there, it's just going to come back around. And the thing is that no matter how many times you duck it, it's just going to keep coming back around. And it may not show up in this one instance. It might show up in another person Mm -hmm. or it might show up in another person or it might show up in a different situation until you finally heal. And we, we so quick to clear the, you know, cleanse the room with sage, use the tarot cards or whatever this is. But the problem is, is that the windows are closed. All those negative energy, all those demons that you got going on, they just running around in a circle like roaches that got hit with raid. And the thing that you need to understand is just like a beacon of hope that you see somebody as the negative energy will never go away because the negative energy is you. So with that being said, Shinny came by. She got a hair wrap on and everything. So, you know, the episode going to be good because we're talking about healing. So, Shinny, go ahead. Take the floor. What do you what? What is healing? What does it mean to heal? To me, honestly... Healing means a lot of things, but before I get into what it is, let me get into what it's not. Oh, I like that. It's not easy. And we got to stop romanticizing it. I agree. And we always make it seem like healing is like... A beautiful process. Like I broke my arm. I'm going to be out for like a couple of days, but or a couple of months, but right. it's actually like a reoccurring thing. Like, like you find different levels of yourself to heal at. Right. And there's different aspects of you that need to be healed. And then on top of that, let's stop saying, oh, time heals everything because it doesn't. Mm. The reason being I say that is because I'll, I'm going to be very honest that this whole time we've been in quarantine, mm-hmm. I've healed more during this time than a whole year in therapy. Oh, you know, what's so crazy is that I didn't say that there's power within isolation, mm-hmm. but I need to start saying that there's healing within isolation. Absolutely. Just that shift in that word oh. is so powerful because it's true. So clearly you survived the coronavirus, but what were you doing during your quarantine? <laughs> This whole time, I've been journaling, I've been meditating, Mm -hmm. 
But more than anything, I've been forgiving myself and giving myself the space and the room to be compassionate with myself. Because let's be real. It's so much easier to give compassion to someone else. It's okay. You you were in a bad place. It's okay. You, were, you, you hurt my feelings, right. but I understand. Right. You mm-hmm. were in, a, in the wrong state of mind. But when do you really truly give that to yourself? Mm-hmm. Give yourself the compassion like you weren't equipped for what life threw at you at the time. Or maybe you were a child and you didn't understand what was going on. Or the circumstances that you were in. Maybe you were in a desperate situation. And you made a choice that now you're breaking yourself down for. So really, healing isn't always like this beautiful process, this beautiful thing. No, sometimes it's like sitting down and looking back at what you did. And instead of criticizing yourself, judging yourself, you rewrite that narrative. And it's like, you know what, Shani? It's okay. At that time, you were being the best version of yourself with the experience that you had at the time, with the wisdom that you had at the time. Because I know that if you knew what you knew now, you wouldn't have done that. Hmm. But you didn't know that. And that's okay. You know, the first part in the sentence was forgiving yourself. Mm -hmm. Be compassionate with yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you use the example, it's okay, you know. You did this. I understand. I forgive you. And yes, we we, we forgive other people. We are mm-hmm. compassionate with other people. We're empathetic with other people. Mm-hmm. But we're never empathetic with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't forgive ourselves. We don't give that same energy to ourselves. Absolutely not. And you know, when you as soon as you said that, I said to myself, like, when's the last time I forgave myself? Because I'm so quick to beat myself up. Mm-hmm. I'll hold a grudge with somebody. Let me rephrase. I don't hold grudges. I don't hold grudges with people, but I do hold grudges with myself. Mm -hmm. I'm upset with myself. Mm -hmm. I tell myself you were weak at that time. Mm -hmm. You you can't let that happen again. Mm -hmm. Like I'm holding it over my head. Have you ever looked back at a scenario and you're like, really? Like you don't know better? I gave myself an anxiety attack looking back at the scenario before. Oh, no. Something happened back in like 2015 and the way I handle it or the way I allowed it to be handled. Mm-hmm. messed me up to the point where like it just gave me anxiety every time I thought about it and it made me so hostile towards everybody else mm-hmm. and it just like it did it had an effect on me but I said like oh I'm you know it's whatever now if I see those people it's whatever now but I'm having this anxiety because I never forgave myself mm-hmm. I never said you were new you didn't understand you 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 know and I just give you the background to it you know like I got, I got bullied, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, that's a hard thing to say, especially being like an alpha male. Right. I got bullied right? and I felt like there was nothing I could do about it. And so you had all this anger and resentment and whatnot. And I thought it was towards them, but it was really towards me. So you were, so you were taking the poison and hoping that it affected them. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I would sit back and I would, I would tell myself, I'd never allow that again. If it ever happened again, if they brought it up again, I'll tear this place apart. But, I, but I'm but i like that because I don't, I'm upset with me. Mm-hmm. I ain't say that 
I've never made peace with the fact that I was new. I didn't understand mm-hmm. that you you just didn't understand and you were just new. It had never happened to you again because you've grown from that. Mm-hmm. And then the second part, what you said is, is that you were doing you were doing the best you had with what you knew and what you had at the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like right if, if we gonna dive into this episode, the first thing, the first time that we come up for air is that right there. Mm-hmm. That we need to understand that you were dealing with the best, you were doing the best you could with what you had at the time. And what you knew at the time. And what you knew at the time. Of course it can't happen again because you have experience now. Mm-hmm. But when you came into that situation, you had no experience. Right. But this is your show. Go ahead and talk. <laughs> this is your show. I'm I'm gonna like I'm gonna do my best not to Hold I wanna up, listen. I like when to sleep, so give me a second. <laughs> like, Shit. Can't focus with a, a dead leg. You you gotten way too comfortable. <laughs> you have gotten way too comfortable. Again. Way too comfortable. But um no, going back to to the compassion and the forgiveness and everything like that. Um, the reason that came up for me and I realized that is because the first week of quarantine. I started writing I'm sorry letters. Like, I wrote I'm sorry. Like, 13 reasons why? No, not like that. Like, I wrote I'm sorry to my ex. Mm -hmm. That was the first person I I wrote a I'm sorry letter to. Then I wrote one to my father. Mm -hmm. Then I wrote one to my mother. And then by the time, right after I got to, like, my mother, I was like, I haven't even wrote a a sorry letter to my damn self. Mm. Like, Everybody else getting a letter but you. But me. And I was like, hold up. I need it more. Mm-hmm. I need to apologize to me first. Mm. And it wasn't until I got after three people. That's when you realize, like, damn, when I'm going to get the fucking letter. And mind you, these these letters are pages long. These are not like one page. No, I went deep in the apologies. Oh, you gave him like the five W's of like what it was, why it happened, when it happened. All of that. And then, and then I finished off with thank you. So these people got an apology and and a a thank thank you. you. I'm barely, I'm barely giving apologies out. (laughs) (laughs) And yet I was like, oh my God, I need that. Right. I need to apologize to myself and then give thanks to myself as Mm -hmm. well. Be grateful for my strengths and even my weaknesses. Mm Mm-hmm. That was just the first week. And then when it came to like, you know, finishing apologizing and everything, I had a hard time apologizing to my dad's wife. You apologized to her? No. I don't I'm trying not to curse this um this episode. But You oh he got a letter, but she ain't getting a letter. No, she ain't getting a letter. Okay. No, she don't I know the vibes. You you know. So quick backstory on my dad's wife. Point is this woman, um, has been in my dad's life since 1989. You know what year I was born? 1990. Correct. The audacity. Yeah. Wow. I know. know. So this woman used to call the house harassing my mother. So she made it known that she was my dad's side piece. Mm -hmm. And she had no shame about it. She knew he had a family. She didn't care. She didn't care. And for me as a woman, the woman that I am today, I cannot respect that. Those are, I have so many memories 
And my dad had the audacity to like take me to this woman's house, lie to me and say she was a friend, you know, shady stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that I have. I have a lot of anger. I have a lot of resentment and a lot of memories with this woman that are very negative and very strong. But more so, more so than that, because at 18, I was I kind of already dealt with that part of my childhood, the cheating, the lying, all of that. What I'm healing from now today when it comes to my dad and his wife is the fact that this woman does not care that I am my father's daughter to the point that she does not let me communicate with him. And it kills me. What I realize is sometimes you even have to forgive people that are not sorry. Because when you forgive somebody, it's not you're forgiving them and what they've done. You're, the forgiveness is for you to heal. That's really what it is. We all know this, but we all know how hard that is as well. And it's even harder when you know you're never going to get that apology. Or when you know that person's not even ashamed of what they did. Now, you know, this is definitely just something that, you know, and it's just 100% transparency. You know, like the woman called your, your mother, she harassed y'all, you know, harassed the family and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, she just, she just a side. Like, that's not in her, like, her job description to care. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like, you know, and this is just like, maybe it's just the fact that I didn't grow up without my father, so I don't have that bond with him. So mm-hmm. we have that. I can look at it in that lens, but your father, you see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. what did his apology letter consist of? Because in my eyes, looking at it just from the outside in, is that, yeah, you have a side, but she's harassing your family. Mm-hmm. You Now here you are leaving your family for her. Mm-hmm. And you have allowed your your relationship with your children to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Now, me as a father, this is the part where I chime in on and be like, regardless of the situation, my kids come first. Regardless if you don't like my kids, mm-hmm. I these my kids. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be with me, you got to be able to accept my children. Mm-hmm. So as a father, I feel like what did his apology letter consist of? Because... I feel like as a father looking at another man, as a father looking at him, looking at another father, mm-hmm. I feel like he let you down. Oh, he did. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that in my father's defense right now, because I don't want anyone to think that he's he's a horrible man, but a phenomenal father up until he allowed this woman to get between us, which was just recently. Mm-hmm. Because prior to... This would have never happened. Uh Excuse me. Prior to his stroke, because he had a very detrimental stroke. Uh um, And she's his caretaker. Exactly. Uh So now she has definitely taken advantage of the fact that he's completely dependent on her. Took his phone, his social media, everything. Like, completely isolated him. And he's only allowed communication with family whatever if she allows it basically. so she so she fully has control of full control everything of him. Mm-hmm. full control of him so and that's what i'm saying where yes my father is at fault for being a womanizer being a cheater being a coward all of these things right mm-hmm. 
but she's also well of course birds of a feather flock together you, you know like the... right right but the thing is is that my father could be a piece of crap but you he's just still, as bad because you want to be with him as well well not well that but he's still my father oh 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 okay i get that you see vibe. what i'm saying i, I like, get that vibe yeah she's nothing to me mm-hmm. i'm nothing to her there is no relationship there mm-hmm. however she knows the relationship i have with the man she's with mm-hmm. i am not another woman i am now, not do you a think threat that she feels you. intimidated by you absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely because she's so ignorant She's treating me like I'm another woman in my dad's life. But that's, you know, and it's so weird because it's like. It's crazy you, you weird. You can't compete you can't with compare the love of like. A daughter. To her, to her father. Like my, my, my girls, like, like they will probably compete with each other. Right. You know, but, you know, and just off topic. I mean, like, you know, it's going to be a different type of love regardless of the situation. I have like one's my oldest. The other one's my youngest. Like I see them two different ways. Right. You know, like one. We I'm got the it. baby. You know, you're the baby. And on top of that, he had me when he was 35. Mm -hmm. So you can't compare that to when he had my sister at 15. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different mindset. It's a different maturity. It's a different They're going to have a completely different connection. Right. So jealousy from my siblings, I've always had. They've mm-hmm. always been jealous of the relationship, and and I understand it, and I'm empathetic to them. Being the middle child, I can tell you the where that would come from is because, and I see it, mm-hmm. parents, the 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 force, the velocity, it seems like it gets weaker with each child. Mm-hmm. Like when you have your first child, you just you you're, you're super protective. Mm-hmm. You you want to be super strict. All everything is new for the first child, so right. everything is like it's all the added. mistakes are on the first child, and everything's fresh for the first child. Mm-hmm. By the time it gets to the second child, you have realized okay, this worked, this didn't work. Mm-hmm. I can't maintain this exact same energy. You know, you know what, whatever. By the time it gets to the last child, the mm-hmm. baby, mm-hmm. the first and uh, the other two wore me out. You know, because I'm the middle child. My bro- my brother put my mother through the ringer. I'm talking about he was the worst type of kid. Mm-hmm. And then she wanted to make sure that everything that he did wrong wouldn't happen with me. Right. But here's my sister, who's the the baby girl. Mm-hmm. She's the baby. Mm-hmm. She got the same type of privileges I got. Right. I got a curfew at two o'clock in the morning. Why is she walking in at two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> What, what, what my we brother, doing? my brother was was bad, like skeptical too. He was like, "Wait, you're a girl. You're not supposed to be coming in at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning." Why are we getting treated like equals? Right. We got the same type of allowance. What are we doing? First of all, I didn't have an allowance. My mom and let me rephrase that. Okay, like she wasn't passing like twenty dollars out like every like paycheck. Right. It was when the tax season came. <laughs> you know, like right. we both got the same amount, and I'm like, I understand you love us the same. Right. But understand that you had me 18 months before her. Mm. Okay. You need to put some type of respect on that. Like, give me like $500 and 18 cent. Okay. But See, the baby child. I understand my brother because he came 10, 10 years before Jesus me. Jesus Christ. 10 years. So he definitely felt some type of way. And then my sister came 20 years before me. The age. So my question is, is with your siblings, do they feel like siblings to you or do they feel more like cousins? My sister, she's a half sister, right? But I grew up as her, you know, being my full blooded sister, right? Right. Um, the unfortunate thing is that 
she didn't feel the same way about me. And I mean, you got to look at it. Like when you were born, like she would look at you. She was 20 when you were born. Yeah. She would look at you more like a child. She already had my nephew Mm -hmm. by that time. That's how me and my brother are. My mom and my sister were pregnant at the same time with me and my nephew. That's how big the gap is. I mean, which makes sense. My brother is 15. My oldest brother is 15 years apart from me. Mm-hmm. So when I was born, obviously he's 15. He's on his way out of the house. When my sister was born, he was already a father. So he couldn't look, you know, yeah, he looks at us like these are my brother and sister. But more like these are my cousins. These are my kids. Right. Almost. Because he had to watch us. Like the title of sister was there. Yes. But there was not that connection of what a sister would have. What are Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then with my brother, at least I had more of a sibling relationship with him. But the gap. Because we 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 grew up in the same household. He was 10. Me and my sister did mm-hmm. not grow up at all in the same household. So, but by the time I was eight, he was 18 out the house. Mm-hmm. So he missed my teenage years because mm-hmm. he joined the Navy. Mm-hmm. By the time he came back, I was 14. Yeah. So by the time I was 14, going into high school, you come back and you over here trying to be big brother. Like, that's not how this I was work. 14 with more attitude, mm-hmm. more anger issues. And you got to look at it like, in a sense, is like you when you leave, people need to understand that. Like, when you're not consistent within somebody's life, and, and mm-hmm. this is like for military people, like you, in the, you, you were in the Navy, I'm in the military, I'm in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. We know this all too well. When you leave somewhere, people change. Move on without you. You see what I'm saying? Like time does they not stop. Because of you. You see what I'm saying? Like it's just and not going to freeze. And mind you, because we're military, we understand that for us, our life is on pause. Mm-hmm. But not our family. You see what I'm saying? So when we come back, they're on two different... They have grown without you. Right. They have gotten used without you. So when you come back trying to think like, hey, let me pick up where we left off at... Or in his case, he was like, I'm coming back and I'm the man in the house and you need to respect that. And I was like, first of all, who are you? Man of the house. Mm. You're my brother. You're not my dad. (laughs) (laughs) When you, because my sister has said that, like we're 18 months apart and I'm Mm -hmm. like this, I'm the man in the house. She's like, what man? That us. And I, and uh, I wasn't a man yet, but I mean, like, you know, I was going to be a man, you know, like, (laughs) I was a man, I wasn't a man yet. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. I hate, I hate her. (laughs) So So, I'm 14. He's 24. mm -hmm. I'm over here. Like, mind your business. Right. Do you go Mm -hmm. to college, whatever you got to do? Cause that's what he had to do. College. And I was like, I'm doing high school. You do college. You stay in your lane. I stay in mine. Okay. Which is kind of rough. But, but it, I mean, it is what it is. But I'll tell you that the first quote unquote man to put hands on me was my brother. <clears throat> uh, right. I, I, I paused because me and my sister fight like cats and dogs. But let me tell you something. I don't. I don't agree with that. That was one of the, the biggest things that biggest issues that I have with my brother because he was too comfortable on putting hands on me. Mm-hmm. 
And I get that he learned that from my father. Because my father was too comfortable putting hands on my mom. So him and I both grew up seeing that. But I kept looking at him like, okay, you don't want to be my brother, but you want to be my father. But yet, my dad will never and has never laid a hand on me. Uh-huh. So you're over here talking shit about our dad, but you're no better. Oh. And that's when this man literally pushed me against the wall and knocked the wind out of my chest. Because uh-huh. I hit that nerve. So there's a lot of things that, you know, him and I have had to deal with and heal from my dad's toxic traits. Uh And what I'm getting at is by the time I hit 18, everything that I just spoke about, like, you know, being a womanizer, a coward, never telling my mom, like, you know what? I don't want to be with you no more. I found another woman. Uh You know what I mean? Um, Too coward to tell me as his daughter. Hey, you know what? I don't love your mother anymore. I have someone else. This is not a friend. This is my girlfriend or whatever. I don't care. Be honest. Be straight up. All of that I had already addressed, healed from whatever by like 18, 19. Right? This time around, what I'm healing from with my father has to do completely just with his wife. Mm. Because with her, I never had that chance of like, Sitting down with her and clearing up, like, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Why did you feel like it was okay for you to do half of the things that you did? Mm-hmm. And I did at the hospital when my dad had a stroke because my dad had a very, he did a very good job in keeping us completely separate because my dad knew I did not like her. And my dad knew. Well, my dad knows my temper and he knows the type of person that I am. Right. And he knows I'm very confrontational from time to time. So I confronted her at the hospital. I sat her down and I was like, look, you and I need to talk. I was like, you only know me as a child. I'm not a child anymore. And there's a lot of things that you and my dad think that I didn't know or I forgot or I don't know what because I was a child. And the thing about kids, they're innocent they're children but they're not stupid Mm -hmm. and on top of that you never know what they're gonna remember Mm -hmm. you might forget as an adult that you took your child to your side pieces freaking house they won't they won't they won't so how uh, so after writing this letter Mm -hmm. where do you where are you at now with it i still don't like her (laughs) <laughs> I still don't accept her. I still don't respect her. Right. But I'm at the point now where I'm grateful that my dad has someone to take care of him. Mm-hmm. I can accept if he if he loves her and he wants to be with her. Right. I can... But what I cannot still to this point, and I'm trying to, I cannot forgive her from denying me to be able to speak to him and to Mm -hmm. see him and to know how he's doing, recuperating from his stroke. That, till this day, like, I'm still trying to figure out. You know, and I I feel like 
that's going to still be until she she has to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, she has to see it in that manner. Mm-hmm. Because as long as, like, she's there, like, and I don't want to be like, oh, as long as she's here, like, we'd never be able to have a relationship. But I mean, like, I mean, let's just right. call and it that's a spade a spade. <laughs> and that, right. And that's another thing that I had to accept, that as long as he's with her, I have to deal with her. Mm-hmm. I have to put up with her. So have you Off ever thought about have you ever just thought about like calling her up, take her out to eat? I don't even have her contact information. That's yeah. how like I don't know this woman. Like this is how much little of a relationship I even have with her. Mm-hmm. And she's blocked me on social media too. So it's like, you know, at least, you know, now we have social media to try to get in contact with people when you don't have their phone number. Yeah. Like I'm completely blocked off, isolated. And on top of that, this woman has even enlisted my whole dad's side of the family into her side of the story that makes me a monster that makes me you know the bad guy to even like i can't even use like my family like my sister nobody everyone has turned their backs on me so with that now like and once again we go back to isolation Mm -hmm. where are you at now where i'm at now is where i'm trying to get to at least is just sending forgiveness and sending compassion. Even though I'm not at the point where it's like, yes, I fully have forgiven you and I have compassion for you. No, I don't. But at least my healing process right now is that anytime she comes into my mind, I'm like, you know what? I'm sending this out. You know, and I like that because, you know, we we get our, we get hung up on, and, I'm, and, and I say we, I mean me. Mm-hmm. I try to reach out. I try to apologize. I try to be the good guy, but you don't receive my energy. So I'm like, well, you know what? Fuck you then. Right. But it's like, I like that where you're just like, look, it is what it is. You know, I forgive. I want good energy. I'll put that out there. You don't take it. You don't take it. But at the end of the day, I sent it. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. Right. Now, you mentioned and a couple mind of... mind you, she's not going to hear it. She's not going to know about it. But you made peace with it within you. But at least when the time does come, that day where I do finally get to see her, be in front of her, I've already practiced it long enough where I can embody it. And like you said, whether she receives it or not, I don't care. But at least I put it out there. But now I can be at peace with it because I can tell you right now, this has been consuming me. Okay. Now, instead of hanging on this cliffhanger, mm-hmm. you said you mentioned two other letters. Mm-hmm. What was the second one? That one, and it's a perfect segue because... Is that what that's called? Segway? Segway. What's a Segway? When you... Like, is that like a... Segway is... You've never heard comics say Segway? What? No. I've been a, around a lot of comics comics or maybe it's not segway i think it is segway though yeah it's a good transition thank you there we go Synonyms. Oh, wait. you made the transition i didn't make the transition <laughs> never mind so no it's a great transition because um everything that was going on with my father and his wife and everything that i was not healing from because mm-hmm. this is just recent that i was that I've been healing from it because I didn't address it wholeheartedly Uh confront it. I later on 
turned around and hurt my ex-boyfriend who I was in a relationship with during this time. Not a, your ex-boyfriend, not your ex-husband. No, not my ex-husband. Okay, because I remember we talked about that in uh, Relationship Problems 3. We talked about my ex-husband? Yeah, you was like, you dogged him out. Like, oh, yeah. I demasculated him, everything. Oh, yeah, I really did. I was a very, I was an alpha female. I was so masculine at the time. It was horrible. But this, <laughs> but this is your ex-boyfriend. But this is my most okay. recent ex-boyfriend, yes. He, um, we actually got into a relationship right after this happened. The whole stroke. Really? My dad's stroke. Wow. And, I mean, he knew Uh about my struggle with my dad, with his wife and everything like that. But I wasn't well equipped to deal with it and neither was he. Uh And on top of that, one of my dad's toxic traits is he's a master deflector. Uh-huh. Guess what I did? You deflected. Anytime this man tried to confront me, tell me what was going on and everything like that. You were what? Deflect. Uh-huh. I didn't want to acknowledge it. So like, like for those who don't know what deflecting is, it's like... Change the, the subject. Change the subject. When there's a, I'm addressing the problem. Or make it about you. Mm. Or, you know. I've dated somebody like that before. Right. So, obviously, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that what my dad had been doing to me and that I absolutely detested of him, I took on and was now doing it to someone else. You know, what's so crazy is that, and I, you know, we, and I always say we as parents, we as people, we don't realize what we pick up from our parents. Like we right. always talk about like the good traits, like, oh, you know, like this is just like your father, just like your mother. There's some negative things that you have also obtained from your parents. Mm-hmm. Now, back in Relationship Problems 3, we talked about like different ways of how we handle conflict. Mm-hmm. And I say that I'm one of those type of people that I want to address it now. I want to argue about it now. I want to get that out there now. Mm-hmm. Which parent do you think is like that? My mom. What, no, I'm t- for me. Oh, for you? Mm-hmm. The one that wants to take care of it now? Mm-hmm. That has to be your mom. Easily. Yeah. Easily. My mom is the, like, the, she's, she's the shit starter. <laughs> like, like. It took okay, me, so we have the same mom. Oh, yeah, easily. <laughs> and, I, you know, it took me to, until I got older to realize my mom starts a lot of shit. Mm. You know, like she's the one that's like, she's going to say it. She's going to, she's the one that keeps. Stir the pot. Yeah. Oh God. And my father is actually the one that removes himself. And I picked up both of that. Once I become disinterested, if I feel like, if I get in my feelings about something, if Mm. I don't want to talk about it, or if I don't want to, if I don't feel loved. Wow, we have the same toxic traits. Mm -hmm, I will remove myself. And I'm talking about create. Big distance. Because that's literally what I was about to start talking about. Like, you call me, and I'll be like this, hey, yeah, I'm busy. Mm-hmm. I ain't doing anything. But I, I don't, yeah. I can't. I don't want to <laughs> talk. You know, and then be in public. Can with, you, like, low-key stop being a male version of me? It's kind of creepy. You know, is this the chemistry that everybody always talks about? Maybe. This is it, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Feel it through the mic. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Every single time. 
but yeah no like, but honestly like that's exactly what happened i was like there's that that i was i was deflecting mm-hmm. right but the biggest one that hit me afterwards after the relationship was over and everything was while we were together I did not know of his abandonment issues until mm-hmm. obviously like it came up, right? And it came up because of a, an argument. I don't even remember what the argument was, but I mean, when do you really remember what the argument was about? We were in the car. This man got out the car in a red light, pissed off. I've done that. He never, and still has never let go of the fact that I left him, mm-hmm. which you he's entitled why, right? to that. He's entitled. Right. Now, mind you, I thought it was enough at the time that I made a U-turn and I tried to get him in the car and he wasn't having it. So I was like, okay. Like I did the bare minimum, which is like, try. You didn't get back in the car. All right. Whatever. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And you know what that is. It's like when you when you feel abandoned, you want to feel wanted. And when you don't feel wanted, then it's really, really hard to come back from that. Mm-hmm. And it just it just once again just reassures the negative feeling right. that I'm not wanted. I promise you, I have told this man over and over again. I'm like, if I knew then what I know now. I don't care if we would have been there all freaking night. I would have gotten you back in the car. You know, and and that's exactly what he wanted. Because that's exactly what I would have wanted. You know? And, and that's exactly what he communicated after the fact. Mm-hmm. When we finally sat down and everything. But this is what caused us to break up. Because he's like, I can't be with someone that would do that to me. Mm-hmm. When I say hardest lesson learned, where I... I really tried to like come back from that, get him. Back. He would not have it. And he's that like, I get it. You know, like you're entitled to that. You're. Because it's like. It's you... a hard pill to swallow that nobody owes you a second chance. Nobody owes you an explanation. If somebody wants to say no to you or if somebody believes like you're toxic to them or your energy is not good for them. And and I asked for his situation. When you say abandoned, was he abandoned like and like never came back, or did he come back in increments? Like, hey, I'm in your life, I'm out of your life. Wait, are you talking about him? Yes. Like his abandonment issue? Yes. His was that whole in and out. See, and and that's the same where I suffer from. Mm-hmm. So for me, even if you would say, even An if you would say abandonment. More oh, than absolutely. Yeah. Even if you would have said that I wouldn't do it, I'm not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. What, what happens if it does happen again? Are you going to hold up to that? Or are you going to do exactly what you just and did? And he would say comments like that. Like like literally what mm-hmm. you just said. Because somebody because, has already came in and out of my life before. I don't want it to happen again. Right. Right. And the thing is, so I wasn't equipped to handle that. Right. Because I, I couldn't relate to that. I cannot say that I f- I knew what that felt like to be abandoned. But guess what? Now I do feel abandoned by my father. Mm-hmm. 
And so when it was coming up for him, he was triggering it for me mm. with what I was dealing with with my father. But so the when thing he is, left. But the thing is, though, is that I had not put my finger on it. I had not put the word abandonment on what I was feeling with my father. I had not put rejection in words. You know, because when you say it, it's real. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I know I feel pain. I know I feel hurt. And that was it. I never actually sat down with the feeling of like, girl, you feel rejected. You feel abandoned by your father. So when he got out the car and he left, for you, it was like, all right, well, if you leaving, you leaving. The way I saw it is like, if my father abandoned me, like, bye. What, what, what can I expect from another man? And then on the opposite spectrum, he feels abandoned because you're not reaching out to him. Right. So now you have two hurt people. On opposite sides of the spectrum. Hurting each other. With the same type of hurt, though. With the same type of hurt. And we're both screaming and yelling and wanting the love, exact. affection, compassion, and forgiveness. And the thing is, is that we were so hurt that, of course, at the time, we could not see that. We were mm-hmm. not well equipped for that. You know, and I like the fact that you say that because a lot of times when we, you always hear that he completes me, she completes me, this is my better half. Mm. But that's a form of dependence. Right. Nobody should complete you. Nobody should be your better half. Right. You should compliment that person. And in the same way that we look at it in that positive sense, we also look at it in the negative. Mm-hmm. She completes me. She helps me. She makes me forget this. She helps me heal from this. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that if you can't heal on your own, mm-hmm. you're not, you not helping that person. Mm-hmm. You sucking that person dry. And if y'all both hurt, y'all siphoning both from an empty tank. Mm-hmm. And they're getting mad because y'all cannot find the nourishment to heal. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that y'all have to heal. So it is is definitely, yeah. And it's it wasn't until after breaking up, after being in isolation and everything like that, after he left, that because I was I couldn't get both of them out of my head. Yeah. And it just felt so weird because I was just kept thinking about him, kept thinking about my dad, him and my dad, him and my dad. And then it wasn't until I made that connection and where that connection was. Oh, the way my father didn't love me was the way that I didn't love him. Mm. Mm. That's what happened. Now, as we go through the letters, First letter, the second letter. Mm-hmm. By the time you got the, you said three letters, and that's when you realized, or you did two letters, and that's when you realized that you needed to owe yourself an apology. Mm, I got to the third one, and that's when I realized that I owed myself an apology. Who was the third one for? My abortions. <laughs> my abortions. Mm. I wrote to my unborn babies. And how did that letter go? So I had to, and mainly what it was, was me apologizing to them and just wanting them to understand where I was at at the time when I made the decision. Uh It literally had nothing to do with them and that 
I know that in the spiritual world, there is no, oh, financial problems. Oh, you know, you're not going to have a father. Oh, that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. All you know in the spiritual world is that you're supposed to come into this world. Mm -hmm. That's all you know. But I was not prepared to receive you. Mm -hmm. And the values that I have is like, I'm not going to bring a child into this world where they're not going to grow up with a father. Mm. I was like, because I was blessed to grow up with mine. Even if he was crappy from time to time, I was still blessed. And I'm grateful that I was raised with mine. And I respect that. I do. I also didn't want to bring a child into the world if I'm not financially equipped to give it everything that I had plus more. And at the time, like, it it wouldn't have even received what I did. Mm-hmm. Not fair. But another main thing from, from my abortions is that I realized I made the decision, I went forward with it, and I never talked about it. I mean, what would you even talk about, though? Because, and I, and I, and I don't say that in the sense of being just like, What's that word when you just don't, you, uh, I can't have kids. I do not understand that feeling. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that I have been to the abortion clinic with a woman before. Mm-hmm. The car ride there, what are we talking about? Because you know what you're doing. The the wait in the lobby, what are we, th- we, t- we going to talk about? Mm-hmm. Because whatever we talk about might deter the decision that's about to be made. Mm-hmm. Whatever we talk about might trigger something. Mm-hmm. Whatever we talk about might make whatever was going on with us worse. And then afterwards, what do we talk about? Mm-hmm. Do I just like say like, "Are you okay? Are you?" Let me rephrase. Are you going to be okay? And then when you say, "Yeah, I'll be all right." That's it. I'm not going to pry. I don't want to talk about it. I know you don't want to talk about it. Did you ever stop and think that she said that? Because she expects. Not expects. Did you ever think that she probably said that? Because she believes that's what you want to hear. Absolutely. And I knew that. During a time, once again, just like what we mentioned every in the beginning, we were doing the best that we could with what we had, what we knew. Mm-hmm. And she already had a child and she felt like that she just wasn't ready to have another child. Mm-hmm. And was I opposed to it? Yes. But it's your body. I, I ain't going to talk you into it because the next course of action is I wasn't ready for marriage. Mm-hmm. And I definitely knew I wasn't ready to be a father. Mm-hmm. So when she said that I was okay, I I, I felt and I you know I I feel guilty now, but I mean, I just felt relieved that we was just done with the situation, mm-hmm. and then I didn't help that, just like my father who didn't know how to handle situations, especially tough times. When that time got tough, I just left, mm-hmm. and I felt like she just you know she'll talk to me when she's ready. Let's create some distance, and that's exactly what I did. So 
what so that's what it? I'm saying. Like that, that in and of itself is not healthy mm-hmm. to not talk about it. Because let's be real, that's a heavy mm-hmm. decision to make. Mm-hmm. And as it is, as a woman, you walk in there by yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't go in there. Did you go in there? No, I waited in the lobby. Exactly. So already the process is lonely. Even the decision making sometimes feels lonely. And I'll tell you right now, waiting in that lobby is so depressing. I bet. You you can just see who in there to get checked for an STD. Who here to be get for real? <laughs> Who's that Planned Parenthood? Yeah, of course. You can tell who in there getting checked for an STD. Right. You can tell who in there for a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And you can also tell who's in there for an abortion. Right. Just by the body language. Yeah. And here I am trying to be Mr. Cheerful and stuff like that at a funeral. Trying to play it off. Trying to play it off. And I'm just like, when she came out, you can just see, like, she looked, she was so defeated. Like, the literally, the life had been sucked out of her. That's exactly what happens. And I just was like, I wanted to comfort her so bad. And the thing is, when you walk out, actually, when you, when the procedure is done, the nurses even will tell you, you're going to have a feeling of loss. And that's really what it is. She told me she cried later that night. I cried like the moment mm. it was done. And the thing is, is that at that time that I'm crying, yes, like I could not believe this nurse's words were right when she tells me it's you're going to have a feeling of loss. And I'm like, I smack my teeth like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, I'm not losing anything. I'm gaining. I'm gaining my future. I'm gaining my freedom. My freedom. I'm over here thinking I'm Mrs. Badass. I'm Mrs. I know what the hell I'm doing. But in reality. And I was not prepared for the emotional hit once it's all said and done. Because it it you, they are taking the life out of you. Literally. And... To not talk about that, to not let yourself feel that, to just cry at one time and then you know what be done, get in the car and heal and that's it, just heal physically but never emotionally. Mm-hmm. How is that healthy? Even though yes, like okay, it was the best decision at the time, but that process is not easy. Mm-hmm. And you also don't know what it feels like to have a life inside of you. Speak to the other person that helped you create it. And they're like, I don't want it. You know, and I, I, as I sit back now, I always, I ask myself, what if I would have fought it? What if I said, no, 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 no. Let's, let's keep it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll help. I'll do the best I can. Mm-hmm. Would she still would have kept the baby? Or was she still with a what with her choice? And I asked And those questions are part of the healing process. I agree. And I asked that because what you would have did if he would have said, Yeah, I would have like let's have the baby. Mm-hmm. Do you think you still would have did it? My you, most recent one? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. All right, and and, and I, re- I really want to go on and just say for the record, when she says her most recent one, we're talking about like years ago. Yes. Not like she just left the clinic like right. two days. Like <laughs> thank like like. You. Thank you for the clinic. She came from the clinic and then on her way here to do the recording. Like like right. Like, yeah, I had to clear that up. I right, wanted to right. clear that thank up. You, thank you. I know you. we was down low and stuff like that, but I ain't about <laughs> to have. Yeah, I ain't about to have people like like thinking that judging. about you. Like yeah, you ain't about to get I judged. I mean, let me tell you something. My. Just doing, being through this healing process and everything and, and truly doing the work to heal, I have noticed that my vulnerability is my strength. Go ahead and judge me. I don't care. Absolutely. It's fine. This is the first time I'm publicly even talking about this. Now, do you think it's like for vulnerability, the first time. vulnerability or transparency? It's both. Mm. It's both. Mm. I have to get vulnerable in order to be transparent. Absolutely. So it's both. And no. I mean, I know... Abortion is a is a very heavy topic. You're being judged in multiple ways from women, from men, religion, society, your culture, mm-hmm. everything. And you think that's why like a lot of women keep the baby because of that, even if it's not even in the best case scenarios? Yeah. Even if it's the worst case yeah. scenarios to bring a child in? Yeah, because it could be they're guilt tripped mm-hmm. into doing so. You know, and it's always going to be those people that sit back and say like, well, you know, we never were asked to be born. What if your mom and then would have got an abortion and X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, like, it's your choice. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that's the thing. The funny thing is, is that even though I'm talking about healing from my abortion process and everything, I'm still an advocate for it. Absolutely. I still believe that I should have a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, that I'm in a generation where I could even think and fathom like you know what I don't want I don't want to go forth with this that is a blessing mm-hmm. my mother didn't have that blessing my grandmother didn't have that blessing I do you know and I, I love the fact that you bring that up the generations mm-hmm. because I'm a strong I'm a strong I'm a strong advocate for breaking generational curses generational issues mm-hmm. we're not our parents we're not we entitled to a choice. And a baby also doesn't heal a relationship. I really want to say that. It doesn't. Don't, please. It doesn't make you it. feel complete. It doesn't heal you. Because you having relationship problems and then, you know what? A baby's going to make this better. Mm-mm. No. Because that was the main reason why my second abortion, one of the biggest reasons was because it was with my ex mm-hmm. who were not together. And... I really felt his vibe was like, this girl trying to trap me. Mm-hmm. She's trying to bring me back. And I wanted to prove that point. Mm-hmm. I was like, nobody wants you. Mm-hmm. I don't want you back. I'm not trying to get you back with a whole ass baby. You know, like, I really felt some type of way. You know, I, I found myself, I probably was like 18. And Jesus Christ. I have had a lot of pregnancy scares and I was 18. She got pregnant and when she ended up miscarrying, but when she told me that I did say like, are you trying to trap me? And I was humbled very quickly. She was like, yeah, I'm trying to trap you. You live with your mother. You're, you drive your mother's car and you're a cart pusher at Myers. Yeah. 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 I got a catch right here. Right. So like, yeah. And you guys have that complex. Mm-hmm. But again, that's your condition by society to think like that. And granted, you know, there are some toxic women out there that... 
We'll do that, yes. We'll do that, and you guys have a legitimate fear not taking that away from you guys. But it's like a moment of transparency. Like, first off, bro, like, who would trap you? Right. If you was a fish, you would get thrown back in the ocean. Right. So, so who, who trapping you? Right. That part. That part. Now, three letters in, mm-hmm. and this is the part where we realize Shinny didn't get a letter. Yeah. So, what did that letter consist of? Because we always talk, just like what we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. compassionate with others. Right. We forgive others. Mm-hmm. So how and what did you say to yourself out of compassion? How did you forgive yourself? I ended up saying, hmm. I'm going to try not to cry because this is a very emotional thing, obviously. But um, <laughs> you're a dork. Um. Funny thing is, is that I ended up just in the middle of my floor crying because I realized that, right? Like, I hadn't apologized to myself. The next thing you know, I'm just going off of, like, everything that I love about myself. Shani, I love your laugh. Shani, I love that you care about everyone else. Shani, I love that you always make sure I'm taken care of. Uh And not only that I'm taken care of, that everyone else around you is taken care of. And it's just like this long laundry list of like, I appreciate you and da da da. And it's not until I get to the end where I'm like, if nobody has you, I got you. And you tell yourself you. that. Yeah. I love you. You really don't need nobody. Not your mom, not your dad, not your dog. Not any of your exes, nobody. Because you showed up in this world by yourself and you're going to leave it by yourself. So I am your person. I am who you need to go to every single time. When things get rough, I'm who you go to. When things are great, I'm here cheering you on. You know. So I- don't, don't put me to the side. Don't forget me. Don't doubt me. I've been here this whole time. You know, and I like, I love that. I love the fact that you talk to yourself in a sense as if you were in the room with yourself. Right. Because that, I feel like that's the best way to talk to yourself. Give yourself positive affirmations. To tell yourself that you got your back. Mm-hmm. That you got your back. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, once again, like we always so quick to say, I got your back. I got your back. Mm-hmm. But we ain't got our own damn back. Mm-hmm. We so ready to compromise our values. Mm-hmm. Our beliefs, mm. our happiness for somebody else. I'll do anything for you. Oh, you can have my last. Whoa, wait a minute. What about me? Right. But we don't keep that same energy for ourselves. Absolutely not. So so to hear you say that, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely something that I'm going to be putting into practice. Mm-hmm. You know, just to tell myself, like, I forgive me. I understand what happened. And I understand you don't want to let it happen again, but you got to understand that it happened. Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing wrong, bro. You ain't no less than what you is now. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we got to tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shit happened to you. It did. But you got through it. But you here. And who got you through it? Me. Myself. Did anybody else did? And I. (laughs) Did you die? Right. Right. And guess what? Because it happened, 
is because it will never happen again. Mm -hmm. Just because you didn't complete the race don't mean that you didn't get no experience from it. Mm -hmm. Just because it didn't go your way didn't mean that you ain't learned something from it. Or just because it didn't go your way doesn't mean it didn't go the right way. Ooh, or just because it didn't go your way doesn't mean that that wasn't the way for you. Mm. Basically what I said, but in different words. It's cool. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm just, I had to real quick. You opened the door. I had to walk through. Or just because you lost the battle don't mean that you're going to win the war. Right. I said it right. <laughs> no, you I, said it I wrong. I said just because I, you lost the battle doesn't mean that you're not going to win the war. Okay. You forgot the not. What? Yeah. Don't do that. No, I'm serious. So. As we move forward, yes. what is one thing that you would want to tell anybody And as you talk about healing? You definitely have to trust yourself when it comes to the healing process. And on top of that, you have to come into it with zero expectations. You cannot think that you're going to journal for a week and all of a sudden you're healed. Because everything that I spoke on today, this was years. This has been a, a process of years. The only thing is, is that this last month, month and a half of this quarantine, all it really did is it was a catalyst for all the work that I've already been putting in. All the reflecting I've already been doing. Now, that's not me trying to like pretend like I'm better or anything like that but it's just more of a motivation of okay I could really use this time but I really need to give myself that space and not ex expect anything come with zero expectations and see what happens but really sit there and feel and acknowledge what you're going through and what you've been through and actually be transparent with yourself and honest with yourself. Sit in those nasty feelings. Mm -hmm. That anger. That resentment. That guilt. That shame. Sit with it. And show up for your emotions. Yeah. If you're going to cry, cry. If you're going to break down, break down. If you're going to get angry, throw the tantrum. Yell. Cuss. Everything. And let me tell you something. Also being able to have a good friend or two to talk to. Because mm -hmm. let me tell you something. My abortion conversation... I really want to shout out and acknowledge my friend Anna Karen. Anna Karen? Mm hmm. You know Anna Karen? Yeah, I know Anna Karen. Do you? You referred her to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anna Karen. We, 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 we both know who Anna Karen is. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah, I forgot. See, I have a uh, Dory memory. I forget things like that. We literally, you literally were the middleman in that. that situation. Yeah. Yes. Well, you were the bridge. Well, Anna Karen is was my biggest um support and she actually was the one that opened that door for me for my abortion uh -huh. and the one person that i was able to talk to and speak on and everything and like really what is it like digest it you know like i don't even know what's the word no, that's the right word for it okay process it uh -huh. she was the one that honestly guided me through that because i wouldn't have done it on my own by myself. There's no way. Uh -huh. Because I had gone so many years not talking about it, not dealing with it. It was tucked away. According to me, 
I was going to do my abortion and take it to the grave. Mm. Never talk about it, never deal with it, nothing. Just take it to the grave and that's it, according to me. That's a lot of things that we take to our graves. Right, but thankfully now that's not one of them for me. All right, all right. So it's always good to have somebody. Shout out to Anna Karen at Anahata. <laughs> well, since we dropping ads and everything like right. that, so like go ahead once again, where can everybody find you at? Oh, I just changed my Instagram handle to just recently. It's a shot of Shenny now. Yeah, I feel like it should have just been Shenny thing. Shenny thing is possible. You're still stuck on that. I mean, like. Shenny thing is possible. Shenny thing is possible. I mean, I might change it. I might switch it up. But I mean, I guess the easiest way to find me then is Shenny Solis, no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Because I might change it. I might not. Damn. I really need to stay consistent with the name. I really got to commit to it. Absolutely. You really should. And you know what? You know what else (laughs) we should be consistent with? Mm. And just like that, another extraordinary thought left this ordinary mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode half as much as I enjoy making it. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Meech Speaks. Once again, that is Meech Speaks. Meech is spelled M-E-E-C-H. Speaks with an S. Stay hungry. Stay motivated. I'm out. Mr. Speaks. Mr. Speaks. Yeah, I like it. <laughs>